There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Um, welcome to Roller Roost. Um, fuck Jack, he's not here this week. He'll be doing the interview, but he's not on this bit, uh, so it's me introducing it. Um, I'm joined by, I feel like you're not a guest anymore, Seb. I feel like you're a, a third partner of ours, like a, a brother from another mother. You, you, you're sort of on more regular than... Kind of, I don't know, I'm sort of sitting in a, a weird limbo between like, guests and part of the show. I'm a sort of, I don't know, I'm not even sure how to describe it. I enjoy it though. You're in a halfway house, yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, uh, we'll we'll see how how long it takes us to upgrade you to like a a more. Because <laughs> to be honest, <laughs> this isn't well organised. Really, we is that, is that right? Because <laughs> if, if we're being honest, you, you've only had about ten minutes notice as to coming on here when I text you before. So it's not like I, we. Uh, I feel like you throw me under the bus a little bit there because I, you know, it, it, we could have said you know twelve hours notice, and I spent the afternoon making notes and, and re-watching the Chelsea game and studying Palace. And, and then you, you just do that and, you know, feel undermined, Raj. <laughs> I can only apologise. Anyway, you, you mentioned Chelsea there. That's, that's better than I've done so far. Um, <laughs> how, did you, how, did you feel the, how did you feel the game went? I felt it went exactly as I thought it was going to go. Um, you know, I, I, um, I, I was actually on another podcast um the day before on monday and um on the final third and um and they asked me you know what, what i thought of the game and, and it, it it just felt like it was going to be too early in our progression i mean we, we were showing signs of, of, of development on the pochettino but everything is still quite embryonic and and our cohesion is a little bit suspect and you know there, there's just nothing more brutal than being sent to Stamford bridge it's like watching uh a relative being put in the Colosseum with a whole group of lions. Uh, yeah. Is yeah. that what I, I imagine that feeling to be anyway? Yeah, the way I explained it to a lad at work was he asked me, "Oh, um, how, how do you think it went?" And I was like, "Have you ever played FIFA when it comes out new and then tried it on a hard <laughs> setting before you're ready?" <laughs> I think that's what we're like. I think I think it's it's almost pointless to read too much into it much. because it's just yeah. a, a, a it's just a to, it, there's no point analysing it because the, the simple fact is Chelsea are at a level where Tottenham just aren't at the moment so any competitiveness that is going to be in that game is almost non-existent the only way that Tottenham would have been competitive in that game is if we had set out to defend for 90 minutes and if we had done that I think that would have been quite cheap against the, the philosophy that we're trying to... You tweeted about that last night, didn't the you? Club. I, I, Yeah, I saw yeah. that, and I, I remember nodding in agreement silently. I, um, 
And I said, I said, um, I think I said, I'd rather lose three nil and show some sort of attacking impetus than, you know, defend for ninety minutes because I think there's more, there's more to take away from actually sticking to the sticking to the you know the plan that we want to take going forwards and then a year down the line when we go to Stamford Bridge again and we, we play in the same manner then we get to see how far we've come at the moment it's just it was too much too soon oh, that, was... oh you know that, that, that that's I, I think that's the nail on the head really because um if you're if you're in our situation where you're you're building towards something and every game is essentially a, a building block if you revert to something which is completely contrary to your manager's tactical philosophy for the sake of a single game, which you're likely to lose anyway, it serves no purpose in the long run. At least, no, like, at least, um, at least there was a bit of ambition last night, and at least you know you can take a sort of semblance of positivity from it and say, well, you know, uh, Pochettino learned something about you know the way to play in this particular in that type of situation and about how some of the players function in that sort of environment. Um, whereas if he just said, right, you know, ten men behind the ball. Everyone in the box. Let's hope you know <laughs> that I don't. I don't. I don't. And, and then you, if you still lose two nil rather than three, I'm not sure it's really worth anything. Um, yeah. If we if we stop making excuses on behalf of Tottenham now <laughs> and uh, actually analyse the game a little bit more, we started extremely we well. I think the first the first twenty minutes we were perhaps the better side, and I think that's what Pochettino was referring to post game. I think some people have been a little bit harsh in. Uh, when he said that the, we we were the better side, I think he meant in patches rather than the whole yeah. game because you've got to uh, English, English is a second language and he, he he's still finding ways to express himself and I don't think that's entirely what he meant. I think he he was making the point that we weren't entirely second best for the whole game, which we well, weren't. Um, Harry Kane had a had a really bright start um, in, in a position where I'm not a, a huge fan of him up top alone. In all honesty, I prefer him a band deeper where he's allowed a little yeah. bit more. I always want time him facing the, ball. the goal, Raj. Like I don't want him. I, I that in, in time he may grow the ability to be able to be a one-touch player, someone with his back to goal, someone who who sees the field more completely than he does. But at the moment, like the best way to use him is in that sort of dynamic, aggressive way where he can come from deep and move into either channels or you know, straight through the middle. It's just it, it just suits the kind of player he seems to be a little bit more. I couldn't agree more. He's, he's almost the opposite to Drogba because Drogba's more dangerous with his back to goal. Yep, I think yep. in the the chances he had and the the goal he set up, it was it was entirely all play built from him using his his size and his strength to his advantage and and then bringing other players into into the field, which we've seen him do for years yep. now. But um, that start, I mean, I, I again I tweeted at the time that I hope nobody uses that start as an excuse to beat Harry Kane with because had he taken those two chances then the game may have been slightly different I imagine we'd have probably still lost it in some sort of fashion but the the game would have been it would have started very differently um do you do you take heart from that do you think that that's a, a better better than you expected us to to play at the beginning I think of the game so. with with Kane specifically firstly look I, I um I'm not his biggest fan, and I, I never really have been. And, and to be fair to him, right now he's exceeded any expectation I had for him. The one criticism that I would um, that I would level is that he can't like he does so much good with the ball at his feet. Like he'll beat a player, he'll outmuscle someone. At the moment, he's still in that stage where his his default option is to be hyper aggressive and to shoot every time. Um, and ordinarily, if I'd seen something like last night, I would have mentioned that. But 
it's actually when when you, when you look at Tottenham's history at Stamford Bridge, you look at how passive they have been um, so many times. To see one of our players play like that with a kind of you know with, with zero respect for where he is or for any of the players he's facing or for the situation itself, it was actually great to see. Um, and you've got to allow like you, you do one of the one of the one of the concerns I had for him coming to the team was that this would happen that. Like all that enthusiasm for him that was built up in Europa League would dissipate if he had a couple of bad games. And I did see a few people having a go at him on Twitter last night about about those those early chances. But uh, you, you just got to it, it's a learning curve as 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 it is for the team as a whole. For him, he's got to learn how to use his ability, how to exploit, uh, how to uh, how to extract even the um, the most from his ability. And that that was part of it last night. And you, know, you can't knock him. He's a, he's a young boy. Um, he's never played in that kind of game really before, um, in that kind of situation. And, you know, he'll learn, you know, maybe next time, maybe next time he finds himself breaking into the box at Stamford Bridge, he will square it to Lamella. <laughs> you never know. But the, um, it's just, like, you yeah. know, what's the point? Look, it's, uh, he, the only way players actually get better really is by experiencing moments like that where you think, okay, that's how decision making improves. Um, you see the product yeah. of your own mistakes. And that's just, like, I have no problem with his enthusiasm and no problem with him, you know, bulldozing into, you know, past Cahill and, you know, taking on Terry. I, I, I applaud it. Good for him. The, the players that, rather than Kuhn, I thought were, were victimised the most or had the most negative sort of rhetoric surrounding them, especially online while the game was being played and afterwards. Yeah. Uh, Lloris for for the, the first goal at the near post and the, the kick out uh, oh, that went straight to a Chelsea no player. No for criticism, Lloris. Um, none. Absolutely the, none. I, I think right. I think there's actually... I think if he wasn't such a fan favourite, there would have been much more of that, to be honest. But because he's so consistently great, the fact that he's won poor game perhaps is away at Chelsea might not be the end of the world you'd rather it be away at Chelsea where we were going to lose perhaps yeah, anyway I'd rather, rather than last night Saturday I mean you know and also look you know it hasn't been great over the last 18 months but imagine what it would have been like without him yeah. I mean can you I mean some uh, of those games some of those games last season you know imagine the game against Manchester City at, at White Hart Lane without Lloris well, he played pretty well that night um, and it was still five <laughs> one. Like he's it, the club's best player by a, a long way, and he won't be there for much longer. And you know, goalkeepers make errors, and it's just that's just a fact of goalkeeping life. Um, and yeah. like you say, you're, you're absolutely right. Better to make a mistake there. It stings because it's a derby, but bigger picture. Um, the other one was uh, Jan Vertonghen, who was perhaps a bit weak for the second and third goal. Yeah, uh, the second goal, I think the second goal was the one where it was the kick out led to their two passes yep. and in. I thought the, the through ball from Oscar to Drogba was so... Oscar to Drogba, it rhymes, doesn't it, if you say it in Marx? Um, that's consoling. <laughs> yeah. Um, it just, that's the way in which my brain works. I'm easily distracted. But... Um, I thought it was quite a telegraphed pass. I thought it was one that he could have read better, but he seemed to be on his his back heels. He wasn't entirely ready for it. I mean, Drogba isn't the quickest anymore. He's never been that quick. So it was a chance for him to intercept, but he just seemed to let the the ball go past him. I might be slightly, being slightly harsh there because Oscar did get that pass completely right and it was well-weighted and everything, but there was an opportunity there to 
to get involved, but I think that's been slightly harsh. The third one, I think, was the one where you're raising questions about his his physicality against Remy because um, it's a hard one. Yeah, though, Raj, that one, that third, because I, I, you know, they they gave him a bit of a hammering. Um, I watched the match the day afterwards as well, and they gave him a bit of a. I think it was Phil Nevlin, uh, Didi Haman, gave him a bit of a hammering for his physicality and his body position, but. It, it's just one of those where you can so easily... I mean, if he's more physical in that situation, he's going off, it's a penalty, and he's suspended. Um, and his starting position wasn't right, and yes, it looks awful because Remy isn't the most physical player, but, you know, I mean... Um, I, I, the second I one was I don't think he's not... I don't think he's knocked him over from sheer power alone. I don't think it's a he's got him a off brilliant handoff. No, yeah, he's, he's got caught him off balance and, and he's tripped he's over. He's twisting his body. He's a left-footed player, so he's trying to put himself in a position to block the shot with his left foot. And Remy's just, you know, Remy's given him a shove at the opportune moment. Anyway, it's it's really good attacking play. Um, yeah. But I, I, it's just, it's really easy now, when, because of Vertonghen's last year, um, his last 12 months at the club, Anytime you see something like that now, it's like a it's like a, an attitude klaxon. Um, yeah. yeah, me and me and Jack have talked about this at some length. To be honest, the whole the the fallacy I would call it surrounding Vertonghen's uh, attitude problems because uh, I don't buy into the the over the counter you know body psychology things that people are saying about his his physical uh, attitude towards things and and stuff like that and. From what we've heard, I mean, Jack Jack knows people who've, who've met him personally in, in working environments and otherwise, and he's been nothing short of an exemplary professional and human all, all the time. And I think he gets... I, I think he's quite a guarded person. I don't think he plays the the game quite as well as other players do. I don't think he... he, he you know, he... Um, I don't think he panders to the fan as much as, as other players will, which will obviously curry them favour. Um, I think he's, as I say, quite guarded, quite insular. Mm-hmm. And because he's that sort of personality, people think he's grumpy. And it's something that I I, I experience because I'm very much similar. I'm, I'm quite a, a guarded, insular type of person. I don't, you know, I'm, I'm not too outgoing or anything to for people I don't know or stuff like that. I'm uh, I'm quite quiet um, at times. If I'm you know if I don't feel like speaking to someone, I won't. And I think because he's just normal like that, and he's not perhaps playing up to being a footballer, it's, it it goes against him. And uh, I think that's what's and, a, a large contributing factor. Well, uh, yeah, I, I think there's a bit of that. I think as someone who's written some of the things, some of the more negative things about Yan Vertonghen, I have to. Um, I can't. Uh, I can't uh, go back on what I've said before. I guess uh, I, I I agree. There's there's a he comes across like in football player terms as just one of those players. He sees it as a job, as an occupation. He gets on with it and he does. You know, um, there, there are no frills to him when he's on the pitch. I think sometimes you see, um, sometimes you see him make errors which you think aren't necessarily technical. They just they look absent-minded. I, I think about the you know the, the pass back um, at the, during the last game at Stamford Bridge, and that was kind of a it just felt irritatingly like a, a classic Vertonghen moment where it just wasn't his mind wasn't I don't know I I I don't want to be harsh on him because he is the best defender at the club unquestionably um, it's just that every now and again you know 
because of because of what happened off season, we're all now looking for these little symptoms that he's not that bothered and he doesn't really care and he's really just looking to transfer his way into the Champions League as quickly as possible. And no, I think that I think I think both both um both sides of the argument have a point. I guess you know he he does attract the kind of that kind of criticism um, unfairly, but I think there are moments where he has been less than um, less than great. Um, yeah. I I don't, it, it's you know it's uh, twelve and two sixes, isn't it really? Um, and we're all guessing yeah. really because we don't you know we don't know these players and you know. Our only impression of their personality is actually, you know, based on ninety minutes of football. And and you know, anybody who's ever played the game will tell you that, you know, the first when, when you're walking along the street, you're one person. When you're, you know, kicking the ball around on a Sunday morning or a Saturday afternoon, you're a completely different one. Um, even at amateur football level, so it's, it's, that's true. So you don't know. Um, but it's um, I don't know. I think last season we all got me included. We all got a bit caught up in the kind of the um, the misery, uh, and he was a bit of a victim of that. I think. The third player that was um, quite roundly turned on uh, was Eric mm-hmm. Lamella, um, who was, you know, he, it was he was quite a lot of the the game was blamed on him from some people I saw. Um, you know, when you just kind of start flicking through people's Twitter profiles through the hashtags and whatnot, and um, it's not something I really understood to be honest, because although he wasn't great and although he didn't have too much space to operate in, he actually. Applied himself defensively yeah. quite well. I thought he was there to make tackles. He he moved the ball on quite well. He was interacting well with the the midfield and and trying to get the ball forward when he could. There's there's still the same the same mistakes he makes in other matches, where because Chelsea's defence is so good, it's highlighted a little bit more. I think where he he perhaps takes one or two touches more than he he needs to at the time. He will make the wrong decision rather than passing to a player in space he'll try and do something on his own and and do something perhaps a little bit too hard on his own and because it's against Chelsea and as I say because that's amplified because they're not the sort of team that will let him get away with that um do you think that's why he was he was you know people said he was as bad as he was when there could be an argument that it was just another a, a performance of a similar ilk he had, but it was just against the best. Yeah, side. almost certainly. I, th- I think. I think like the most obvious. Lamella is the easiest player to criticise because he he tends to give the ball away more than anybody else, and he does things which frustrate fans. Like he he dwells on the ball. He'll beat a man, and then he'll you know he's a really low percentage player at the moment. Um, I think what people Jack and I were having a conversation about this the other day actually, and, and um, I think what people have to be mindful of is that every time Eric Lamella steps on a football pitch at the moment you're seeing tiny 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 increments of improvement he's learning gradually you know about the speed the, the the time he can dwell on the ball and how long he can hold possession for before giving it to a teammate um when you play like say when you, when you play against a team like Chelsea you know they are so good uh, at restricting players like Eric Lamella or players who are much better or more effective than Eric Lamella that their weaknesses are always going to be exaggerated um and in a way, like you know, you, you could argue that it was maybe a bad idea for Pochettino to put him in that side last night. But you know, another school of thought is that the more the more times he's exposed to that kind of opponent, the better for him. Because you know, you, you actually, you saw you saw the same thing at Liverpool. He came out of that game against QPR having been excellent, absolutely, absolutely outstanding, his best game for for Spurs at the time by a mile. He went straight into Liverpool and he was dreadful. Um, because it's just that much different. There's a there's a huge gulf in class in the Premier League between a QPR and a Liverpool, or what we thought Liverpool were, and a, and a Chelsea. And and 
you know, it's it's look, it might not be great to watch, and it it might you know make you lose a little bit of faith in him, but it is ultimately good for him in the long run. Um, and you just that's got to be that's got to be the thought process with him, not you know, oh, he's turned the ball over again, he's turned the ball over again. It's got to be you know what happens in a game at Chelsea, and then what does he learn from it if and when he plays against Palace or whoever else in the future. You want to see how quickly a player adapts and how much he takes from essentially his failures, I think. Um, yeah, I'd agree. Um, to move away from the negatives... Um, to I all those positives. The, yeah, <laughs> I, think the, I think the positives from that game were the younger players. I think, I think Mason, Ben Davies... Yeah, Mason, Bentaleb Davis and, and Davies were the, yeah. the three. Yeah, the three that I would pick yeah. out, um, especially for for playing very well, um, which is a good a good indication of what's to come for the future. I think um, those players are in danger now of being perhaps overused. Yeah, slightly, Mason especially um, because, because he's been you know he's played almost every game in the league for I don't know how long, but it's coming up to about two months, I think. Since his debut, I think he hasn't he hasn't missed a game. He dropped out of Europa League last time round, didn't he against Parson? Uh, yeah, I don't think he's missed a league no, no, game. No, no, he's missed a league game. Definitely um, not. No, he's um, and with his with his injury record, that's a concern yeah, yeah. because he, the last thing he he probably needs at the moment, especially in December, where he's going to be playing so many games out in the cold, where it's much easier to pull yourself than it is in the warmer months. Um, I'd be. I'd be slightly hesitant to try and overuse him during this period because if anything's going to curtail his his, um, his progression now, it'd be another one of those famous injuries, and then it'd be, it'd be tragic. Just I mean, the guys suffer. I mean, look, I don't. I, I I know. I knew nothing about Ryan Mason until earlier. I I listened to um, uh, Chris Miller at Windy Coys talk about him for quite a long time, and he was always he always talked about um you know how much the guy had suffered with injury, and you know but even though he's twenty three, you have to treat him as if he's eighteen. Because that's where he is physically. The the, the difference between he was, I think he was playing League One for Swindon last year, was maybe Swindon. I'm not sure, but he was playing at that level last year. And, and you can't you can't expect a player to go from that level to this one and then be a 38 game a season player. It's just you're asking for trouble. Um, so yeah, you got to he's got to drop out of the side at some point. For just you know, even if it's to the to the team's detriment, just for for his own benefit. I think I would have thought anyway. I'd agree. I'd agree. Um, I think that's pr- pretty much all we can say about Chelsea. Um, we've got Jack now. He's not here to speak with us at any length, but he spoke to one of his Crystal Palace supporting friends from work. Um, I don't know his name. I don't know what they talked about. I, I wasn't there. But uh, what you're about to hear is whatever the hell Jack <laughs> decided to speak to this. <laughs> whatever Jack decided to speak to him about. Um, I'm as interested to hear it as you are, but uh, here it is. So, Mr. Joe Cooper, welcome to Rule the Roost. Thank you very much, Jack. Yeah, Pleasure yeah. to be here. It's, yeah. Well, you're, uh, do, you, do you blog or anything? Uh, uh, not really, no. I just chat a lot on Twitter, really. Just Hashtag CPFC, you'll see on a lot of my tweets. What, but, uh, what's, your, what's your handle? Uh, TopCooper92. Top Cooper. You've done a bit of, yes. you've done a bit of Guna trolling, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I enjoy a bit of Guna trolling. Who doesn't? Uh, exactly. More passion in White Hart Lane than uh, than Arsenal and Highbury. That's what I'd, I always well, say. But. Yeah, I've d- yeah, just about. We're, we're sort of going the other way a bit. At the no, moment, no, but. there'll always be that raw passion. Yeah. I admit, even when Arsenal are playing badly, there's more of a groan, whereas there's a fierce roar at White Hart Lane. I don't mind that passion. Yeah, I've got quite like that fierce roar. Yeah. I'll take passion. that one. I'll take that one. But... Along, alongside uh, choruses of Stefan Froud. <laughs> Stefan Froud. <laughs> 
Um, yeah, we love him, actually. I love Stefan Freund. Stefan Freud loves me. Yeah, there you go. Sorry, Freud, is it? Oh, yeah. Apologies. Apologies. Freund. Freund. Freud. Freud. Freud's another matter entirely, There you right? go, that's, there you go. That's, I think that's wanting to do naughty things to your <laughs> mum, isn't it, Freud? Um, so how long, how long have you been a Palace fan, Jack? You, be, you know, you, you, you go all the time, don't you? I often see you coming into... Coming into our workplace, it shall not be named for reasons of not being trolled on Twitter. Um, looking quite dishevelled sometimes. Like yeah, that. affects the mood really. Yeah. Two things do the misses and football. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, no, I'd say uh, I've been a fan really. I've been going since '97, '98. I'm you know 22 now, so you know good 17 odd years um, with my old man and my brother. So traditional football family, get in the car, go every morning. Soccer, soccer home it used to be before Tim Lovejoy left, and then uh, the, the halcyon days of. AJ and Clinton Morris. Yes, yeah, those are the days, wasn't it? And uh, we don't really talk about Dougie Freeman anymore, but no. he did some uh, good for us. He did some bad things, yeah. though, hasn't he? Since? I know, yes. But Chris Armstrong, that was right at the start towards oh, my eyes. Do you remember, Armstrong? Oh, yeah. Vaguely, vaguely. That fee, though, four and a half million, I think he went for mm. the boys for. Big money back then, as yeah, well. Yeah, it was. It was, it was really disappointing because he was much, much, much was promised from yes, Chris Armstrong. Yeah. I know. Never. Amicable chap yeah. as well. Really? Very kind with him. Him and Dean Gordon, he's, I remember. He's got, training ground. He's got like massive dreadlocks now, I think, for some Let's just see if I find a picture of him. He's, uh, he's, he's one of the, a, a long line of footballers at Tottenham have broken. Yeah, yeah. Sergei Rebroff, world class, mm-hmm. came to Tottenham. A couple of Palace as well. John Bostock, he was a young yeah. young chap. The riff with Simon Jordan, I remember back then. And the other one was Wayne Routledge, both of which came out from South London, quite high reputation. But I suppose... You know, that's the way it's gone, really. Well, Routledge, really, like we, we sort of spoken about him before, and he always did all right for Spurs, but it was just mm. that when he did get injured, Aaron Lennon came along. Yeah, exactly. And then, you know, Lennon's a better player put, at the end of the day, I suppose. <sighs> I don't know if he is anymore. Maybe. Play, the judgment I call is has Wayne Routledge played for England? No. Aaron Lennon has on multiple occasions. That's what I would say. But then Dean Ashton has as well. But no, actually, I like Dean Ashton. More players like Kevin Davies. There's there's Chris Armstrong. Oh, Chris Armstrong. I'll tweet this picture out just so you can see it. There you go, Chris Armstrong. But he hasn't got to the uh, world of John Fashionu yet. Remember John Fashionu? Yeah. Old footballer, right? He is now presenting Nigerian deal or no deal. He's made it. He's genuinely made it. He He has made it. He is. You can check that out later. But he is actually on there. I saw it. It was quite horrible, actually. I saw him on... uh, on a programme about Justin, about his younger brother, mm. um, his, so I think it was John Fashion, whose daughter yeah. was leading this documentary about homophobia in football, oh, right. um, because you know, her uncle was Justin yeah, Fashion. Yeah. And she went to speak to John Fashion about mm. it, and even still, like, I, I, didn't, I didn't really realise at the time there was a big undercurrent of like homophobia yeah, in yeah. his own family. Yeah, no, I, didn't I knew it was that. in the wider community, but like, yeah, apparently him and John fell out about it, and John Fashion was still pretty um, unrelenting, oh, in, but you know, to yeah. each his own. No. Just you know, if you want to be abhorrent about it, then yeah. Well, I suppose you've got to be relentless to get that kind of role on Deal or No Deal last year. <laughs> get to the point, number twenty-four. Um, but yeah, so no, love being a Palace fan, really. Um, quite yeah, to your homestyle lad, aren't you? Yeah, homestyle lad. Yeah, uh, quite like uh, excited about the game. Obviously, going both of us are going. Yeah, yeah. Very good. Um, but I'll be I'll be in the away end where Jason Punchin hopefully won't smash it over 70 yards over the uh, the bar this year but last year I'd say we played you early on in the first game of the season I think it was last year we had a bit of a Bobby Soldado yeah he did penalty D-Moxie handball that was we thought it was all going to be up from there yeah you did Soldado it's like Soldado scored in his Premier League debut get in 
and now he's I think he's scored three goals in open play since that point. Mm. Which is But he's got confidence back, hasn't he? Well, I'm I'm not saying he's gonna beat Julian Sproni and the mighty Scott Down at the weekend, <laughs> but uh, you don't know. And I think you're looking forward to the game. I think Palace often can see first, and it seems to be something that we've done this year against a number of teams, even when we beat Liverpool 3-1. That was our last win, by the way. Yeah. One win in eight or whatever the stat- statistics are going now. Is it but, bad? Yeah, but Neil won a couple of games at the start, beat Leicester 2-0, beat Everton away, which was good, got a point away at Newcastle. It started very well. Since then, we've played a lot of teams who don't come at us as much. Yeah. So there's this issue at Selhurst Park when the likes of Aston Villa, Sunderland, Burnley just sit there and go, what have you got? Jed Nack and Ledley do all right. When the wingers aren't on form, for example, though, when Punchin's not on form or Balassi's not on form, a bit limited. And I like Cam, though, but Balassi's... Yeah, he's very good. He's a good player. Like, I, I, I tweeted out not long ago that I quite like him to come to Spurs and I had mm. a few people go, oh, he ain't high level, he ain't good enough, but I, I think he's decent. It's like, well, you, you were saying the other week in that he, he doesn't seem to be the type of player that really thinks ahead that much himself. No. In that he, he, he's not that kind of genius, mercurial no. footballer that, you know, he's, he, his genius comes from the fact he's, he's thinking ahead. Yeah. He's like, I'm going to burn it down the wing, I'm going to skin this bone, I'm going to do that. Mm. But he's quite, a, would you say, like an instinctive player? Yeah, he, yeah. He, I'd say he, he reacts to stuff very yeah, well. Yeah, he makes his decisions on what the defender is doing. Yeah. So he's very watchful of what. So I don't know if you saw the Liverpool game. He got the throw in, he saw the chest, he saw Lovren coming over oh, his shoulder, little knee over his yeah. head, cross ball, Joe Ledley, terrible knee slide celebration, but <laughs> that made the goal. And I think he's very intelligent, whereas Eden Hazard and people like that, they know what they're going to do, they're going to jinx inside, outside. And I think with a lot of these mercurial players nowadays, you have to be individual. And I think Balassi is a bit raw. Yeah. In the way that, you know, he used to play for Barnet, he was, started his career in Malta, I think, or somewhere bizarre. Really? Yeah, and then went to, and got his break in Plymouth then went to Bristol City and then came to us. Um, and we, bizarrely, got him instead of Albert Adoma, who was the guy who was more highly rated. But ironically, uh, Adoma's now playing for Ator Karanka for Middlesbrough. Oh. Um, and whereas now Yannick's rolling the Premier League. They're doing all right as well, aren't they, at the moment? Oh, Borough, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he had a year in. Another manager linked with Palace. They've had quite a few recently. Yeah, well, Tim Sherwood as well, notably. Yes, yeah. But quite happy. Well, I don't know, Neil Warnock or Tim Sherwood, it's not... Are you a fan of Neil Warnock? I am a fan of him, his man motivation skills, yeah. and everything behind him. I think, as a Crystal Palace football team, he is a stopgap. Yeah. There's no doubt about that. He's a footballing dinosaur who will tell you to hoof the ball in the box yeah. and head it in. He has embraced our attacking play, because when you look at the Palace squad, yeah. players like Johnny Williams, Anik Malassi, Wilfred Zaha, Jason Punchin, you can't not play those players. Whereas in previous sides, where he was at Leeds and QPR, he could simply alienate people from Matt Smith and Leeds, Bobby Zamora and yeah, QPR, yeah. you know what I mean? And then hope that fall in, knocks it in when it comes down. But he couldn't really, so he's embraced that. And, but I think he's embraced the attacking play a bit too much. So he's like, we're going to score more goals than you, which Ian Holloway showed us, unfortunately, didn't work in the Premier League. Um, but on a positive note, I'm, I'm positive about the season. I'd say he can keep us up, yes. Yeah. Is he the guy to take us on next year? I, I don't think so. Um, but if I'm being honest, he's a lovely chap. People hate him, but he'll get the guys motivated. The only question is when Plan A doesn't work, as we may see on Saturday. Say Bobby Saldano does a nice volley from 16 yards. I know. I'm not I wouldn't worry about that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but if that Please, goes Bobby. in, yeah. yeah. If that goes in, then you think, oh, you know, we reacted against Liverpool because we reacted. The players reacted. Yeah. But I don't think he's a sort of manager like Pulis, 
he'll make a clever substitution when Yannick Bellanis doesn't run all the way down the wing he brings on a Barry Bannon or he'll bring yeah. on someone in the middle who'll just sit and then mark and then you'll become two banks of four or something like that he'll just keep going for it and the risk about that is Yannick Bellanis will try and run down the wing beat everyone lose the ball to Jan Baton mm. he'll punt it down to Adebayor or cross it lovely jubbly goal so I mean, what's, what's, what's going on with uh, Wilfred Zaha at the moment? Because it seems like you know he's come back to a spiritual home, mm. and you, you think kind of a, a, a manager like Warnock, who uh, I'm assuming he managed him previously. He, uh, yes, he did. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, he knows kind of enough about the club. Mm-hmm. He knows about Crystal Palace, about yeah. the supporters. That it's a very, it's a very, you know, it's, it's a there's a very family like atmosphere about yeah. Crystal Palace. I think that's. One thing that a lot of people have always uh, noted about the club, you know, mm-hmm. with like the Homestead fanatics and just the, the general vibe, you know, you're always selling out Selhurst yeah, Park, yeah. Um, come rain or shine. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I know a lot, a lot of people, I've been, I've been to Selhurst Park a few times because obviously I'm sort of not too far away from the area myself. Um, I've always found it like a, a, a decent decent trip there. Um, so it just it comes as quite a surprise that Zaha still seems to be... Not really figuring in the plans. No. It's, is it indicative of, of his like his attitude? Because he's he's obviously got a lot of talent. Yeah, I'd, he's been a bit part player for multiple reasons. Really, he when he first came, he literally hadn't trained before the Newcastle game. He brought him on and he scored a goal. Brilliant. Wilfred Zaha is back. Everyone's expectations all high. You know what I mean? And it's brilliant like that. But as the games have come on, you you essentially see a Wilfred Zaha that wasn't the same player that won us the penalty yeah. in the Championship final two years ago. Confidence dropped completely. Sir Alex has gone, yeah, I want to welcome you to the club, Wilfred. And then he's palmed him off to David Moyes, who then... But in fairness, David could have played him, but Yanazai was up and coming. And he gambled on Yanazai. And he was shagging Lauren Moyes, wasn't he? Exactly. Well, yeah. <laughs> TBC, TBC. No tapes or anything like yeah. that have come out. But, yeah. Um, yeah, so the various reasons, you know, he did turn up late for training and stuff like that. Yeah. And I think, in terms of his attitude, he's a sort of player that... Was, is on the right path and he's put on the right path mm. and when he's mummy cuddled and all that sort of stuff he's going to be fantastic but he's like Balassi and it's to do with confidence Yeah, two things lovable and confidence Man United Ryan Giggs gave him a kicking and then he he said oh I'm going to go off and just get some treatment and Ryan Giggs says you're a flipping Man United you're not going off anywhere to get treatment he, he seems like a bit of a prick Ryan Giggs to be honest as much as people yeah. kind of eulogise well yeah. eulogise is the wrong word but you know much mm. people wax lyrical about him and yeah yeah no no you, you can't take away his actual sporting achievements from him. no no he does seem like a fairly un, unpleasant kind Chap. of yeah. man really. no I know what you mean yeah you, well I imagine you look at that penalty area in the old Man United Arsenal games it was yeah Keown Adams yeah, yeah, Giggs, yeah. you know York you've seen some of the suits he wears on yeah, Sky Sports yeah. they're hardly going to be the loveliest <laughs> uh, but fair play to Ryan for um for old uh, Imogen Thomas or whatever her name was. Well, not all a bad thing, but <laughs> <laughs> don't know if his I don't know if his girl or wife I should say would be thinking the same thing. No, no, but, I know, but no, yeah. So I think I think there is kind of an arrogance about Giggs, but at the same time, I think Giggs is one of those old pros where you know if you're a newbie in the game, you shouldn't be cuddled. And yeah. I think Wilfred was cuddled at Crystal Palace, wrapped in cotton wool, essentially. Since he's come back. Not so much. The club has moved on mm. by thousands of miles. Yeah. We were a yeah, lucky yeah. team to get up that year, if you think about it. It was the Freedman at the start, and then Holloway continued it. We stumbled over the line, and Holloway's team talks got us through. But now, I mean, the side, Jedinak is just a strong player. You He's watch on player. Saturday, he'll go up against, I think, are you playing in the middle? 
Bentelevin Mason, is it? At the yeah, moment? It, it may or well be, be they might be a bit knackered at the moment. So yeah, it could be someone like Paulinho coming in, or maybe even a, a Capu. He might be, we might be dropping yeah, our yeah. Akapu into it, but again, that's he's he's been out of the squad, and no one seems to mm. really know why. I think it's it's an interesting time for you to for you to be playing as I think because we 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 we're still yet to really see the true face of this this Tottenham team at the mm. moment. Um, in that you know we we we've started to pick up a few promising results. Yeah, um, obviously got walloped by Chelsea midweek and. He, you know, you don't know how much of an indicator that is of where you are because Chelsea are Chelsea are who they are. Um, mm. They're they're a team that could. Well, they're they're brilliant, aren't they? Let's, yeah, let's they be could honest. steamroll. Yeah, a lot. They could probably steamroll even City. They could, yeah, 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 yeah exactly. On a good day. Yeah. Um, they're they're they're. Magnificent I thought you were unlucky last night. night. I mean, you played good football. I think there's not. We're not going on Saturday like oh Tottenham just lost through to Chelsea. Mm. Bring it on. You beat Everton. Morales scored a screamer and you reacted. That could easily happen. But on would, Saturday. would you say that there's still that part of you? I mean, because it's interesting to know from you. I mean, that's why mm. we record the pod in this format, why we talk to opposition fans, because um, it helps us, to, I guess, to get a better perception of Spurs in general. Yeah. Um, I mean, do you really look at this Tottenham side now and think, you know, this is a side we are really worried about? Like, you know, this is a side that no hope in hell. If we if we get a draw. Great, great result. Or is this more of a side that you think really we could go there and win? No, yeah, no, there's yeah, no doubt. No. I think the fear factor has definitely been lost from Tottenham away. Yeah. Let's be honest. You know, if Gareth was in the side, when Gareth was in the side, you guys were incredible. You got eighty million pounds for Gareth. You've reinvested. I don't want to go down that route, but someone's been brilliant. Christian <laughs> yeah. Eriksen, I think he's a gem. Yeah, yeah, what he can do in those you know fluorescent yellow boots or whatever they are is yeah. literally sensational. Whereas. I mean, Lamella, I think he's a good player. I think he's got to develop. Like Zaha, he's got to be cuddled, develop, ease him in. But I just think there's no one who you give the ball to at the minute and he runs towards the defence. I think there's one lad. There's one lad. You know who he is. (laughs) It's a weather warning. Well. Yeah. Warnock said he tried to get Harry Kane on loan. Yeah, I, I just read, read that. Today. I yeah, just read yeah. That. Actually, while I was having a, a pre-pod poo. Oh, there you go. <laughs> yeah. Pre-pod poo. Yeah, pre-pod poo. Sponsored by Tops Tiles. <laughs> <laughs> You're not in the championship anymore. No, it's not, not Tops Tiles. <laughs> no, it'll be that's, Wals- that's, uh, yeah. Walsall's it's a ground. ground. They've got the Tops Tiles stand. Is it floors, the Tops no, floors to go. That's what it is. So, <laughs> anyway, Premier League now. So Barclays, Barclays, Barclays. Isn't but it? you still play the golf celebration music, don't you? So yes, yeah, we do. Yeah. What yeah. have you got? No, a cloud all over. Oh, that's yeah. After an extended goal, sometimes as well. I'm feeling cloud all over. Exactly. I won't go into. But also after the goal, we do the we love you, we love you, we love you forever. We will follow. We support the palace, etc. And that song has such an effect on an old-fashioned ground that Sellers Park. And I imagine you guys will hear it tomorrow. Well. Now, we, probably, we sing it if we, even if we don't score after about 65 minutes because we get bored. But um, yeah. if you hear it tomorrow, it's a very kind of infectious song. It just gets everyone going, everyone oh. from... Yeah. So whether you're five years old or you're 95, yeah. you know, you can get involved with that. And I think the crowd power that we've had recently has definitely helped the guys. I mean, we were at Swansea last weekend. We were looking completely out of it. And I think that the crowd has an effect on the players, definitely. Do you find much... Like, I'd, I'd be interested to know, like, how, how involved are you in, like... I know this sounds a bit twatty but how involved are you in the kind of like the Crystal Palace Twitter sphere in the respect that at Spurs um, you might be interested to know we, we, we 
spoke previously to some um, Palace blogs about this, but at Spurs, they uh, inspired by the likes of um, the Holmesdale Fanatics. Mm. There's a, an 1882 movement. Mm-hmm. Um, the lads at a podcast called The Fighting Cock, they uh, started up a, a, this movement called the 1882 movement, mm-hmm. which is to essentially break the kind of sterile Premier League yeah, atmosphere. Yeah. However, it's been met with like quite a lot of adversity from, I, I guess, long-standing kind of Tottenham fans who are like, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. they, they take it as a bit of an insult that, oh, you know, people feel they need this movement. We, mm-hmm. We've been coming here for 30 years yeah, and we yeah. sing week in, week out. And you can understand both sides of the yeah, argument. Yeah, you yeah. can see why, you know, these upstarts coming in mm-hmm. thinking they know yeah, yeah, yeah. about atmosphere. We, we've been singing here for mm-hmm. however many years. Um, do you ever find, is there any kind of resistance amongst like the Palace support base when people say like, oh, you know, the Holmesdale Fanatics are doing another fucking TIFO? Because, you know, something like a TIFO, which isn't yeah, yeah. synonymous with English football. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But do, do you ever get any kind of like negative reaction to that kind of initiative? The, or? The, the negative reaction is only kind of experience when people stumble across them during away games, for example. So if, you know, a guy has taken his you know, wife and sister and little boy there and then they've tried to watch the game and then these guys are throwing off smoke goals, pushing around. Yeah, around. yeah. That can cause some resistance. But what the club has done, is very, which I think is very clever and fair play to Steve Parrish and co, is they've given them their own section. So they've gone, all right. And in fairness, Homestyle Fanatics didn't come, we're the gang, we're going to, you know, create atmosphere. They just said... We're a group of lads, love sitting together, want to make a bit of noise, can we have a drum in the ground? That sort of vibe, yeah. first of all, right? And then that turned into, oh, lots of people want to seem to join this organisation, and it grew massively. And the club went, well, we can't have all these people necessarily disturbing others, Yeah. so we'll just stick them in an area. And that's called Block A, B and C in the homestead. So it was Block A, and then it was Block B, and then it was C. So right the way, all the way, it's almost taken over the homestead. I'm in Block G, and I'm standing up half the time. Yeah, yeah. Um, which is brilliant. And I think that's something that the club has embraced, and they're very clever about. Because the away games, the homestead fanatics now sit together. People who want to be involved in that sort of thing gather in that area. Others can enjoy the football. In terms of Tottenham, what I would say is don't necessarily, don't necessarily resist it. Mm. Embrace aspects of it and make sure that if you're being a bit kind of selfish, which you can be in football, make sure it's not going to affect you. So if there's this aspect of, oh, we can do our own thing, you know, I don't want to, you know, I've been coming here for 50 years, fine, fair play, that's you. So the way that the fanatic, the top of fanatics, that's called, have to deal about it is I'd say, don't try and pee people off along the way. Just say, a group of you want to sit in a certain area so you can be together Mm. and maybe not even help the atmosphere at the lane, but join in with the... Yeah. You know what I mean? So this, this this whole, let's have a standing area, let's have a singing area. I saw it at Norwich before, and it was just a bit awkward. Yeah. People yeah. in there going, what's, what's all these people standing out and stuff like that? <laughs> yeah. and, you know, when Fulham got the clappers out and stuff like that, I think people were yeah. people were getting a bit dodgy over their cream teas. But I just yeah. think... Because I think there's more atmosphere at, at the average funeral when there is a Craven Club. Yes, so, I know. Uh, that's by the river, isn't it? Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Michael Jackson statue's gone as well. Oh, man. yeah, there you go. It's a shame. Uh, Breed Hangler's gone, though. He's come to us. Yeah, he's gone. What happened? Because he, he was always like, you know, he's linked to Arsenal, he's mm. linked to Spurs, linked to Man United, yeah. and then just stayed at Fulham forever. And he still looks quite decent. Oh, he's a very good player. I'd say, I'd say in the air, obviously, phenomenal. Strength, phenomenal. Two things. He gets too tight to the man, so he can be turned on a sixpence easy money. 
And the I second... Like that, like that. Old, old football old terminology. Football. <laughs> On the second, he is literally too composed. He's like, yeah. I'm ex-Norway captain. I think he might be Norway captain. I'm you know, ex-Fulham. I could pass this at any time I like. Yeah. And the awkward thing is, as he's got older, he's been found out, he's the most frustrating person. When you're an Arsenal, when you've got half an hour to play the ball to Theo Walcott against... Man United, or you know, give it Aaron Lennon on Saturday. He's you know, Chikarez and uh, Kabul and Yamatong are going to have a lot of time. Yeah. Whereas pressing sides, Wilfred Brony runs up to him at the week uh, last weekend. He kicks it, and then you know he scuffs the pass, or it's too slow. Yeah. So I would say he was prone to an error, and that's the reason why he ne- he can't necessarily become that sort of player because he doesn't lead it on himself. Yeah. It's it's interesting. Um, just saying to what you were saying earlier about how the type of team you are now has come on like you know a thousand fold mm. from when Zaha was last at the club, yeah. and it is interesting because I would say like from my perspective, I don't look at Palace anymore and think like, oh yeah, they're they're the Championship club yeah, that are yeah. in the Premier League, mm-hmm. like you do with Leicester, like you yeah, do with yeah. Burnley. Yeah, I agree. You're you're a step above those mm-hmm. sides now. Dare I say you're almost you're you're almost kind of punching in that bracket of your Stokes. Yeah, you know, Aston Villas. Yeah, that's um, what I'm saying. You're kind of meeting, as they're coming down, you're kind of meeting them on the way up. Well, that's the expectation. We play yeah. Aston Villa or Stoke at home, we expect to beat them. We were livid Tuesday night. Yeah. Absolutely livid. Like, at the end of the day, they had got the ball, we made a mistake, and they scored the goal. We could have scored about five against them, and we should have done. If we just someone would have gambled in the box and put it in, mm. that was the frustrating thing about it. And maybe we were a bit single-minded, and maybe I'm saying to myself, and this is the issue with Palace fans at the moment, including myself, you think... Tony Pulis was on that touchline. Would he have made that decision to get something? Because yeah. at the end of the day, he was a world-class manager. He is a bit of a twit for leaving us two days before the season. And to be honest, I've got bad feeling with him. If he came back, I don't know, gentle applause slash more of a tut rather than a specific boo. Yeah. And I feel let down, but I also feel that he was only here for the money. And at the end of the day, he's a professional football manager who got his bonus and then went, all right, but see he's gone now. nowhere, though, hasn't he? I think he's just kind of shot himself in the foot, hasn't he? Yeah. Yeah, but then, that. yeah, I think it, he was a big ego. He wanted to play, pay, you know. Well, unfortunate it's, news, Matthew Everington did retire. I don't know if you saw that. I think No. Uh, yeah, I think he has, I read on Twitter earlier that he, he, he's going to force to retire due to an injury. Or really? pending an operation or something like that. That's, so that's not 100%. I won't confirm that on the podcast. Oh. I won't, I won't know, do, is I won't that ITK, though? I won't, that ITK? I won't do ITK, but no, you know, no. No. that could be a potential. I'm yeah. sure. Tweet me if I'm wrong. Yeah, probably. <laughs> a thousand tweets when I get home. Um... But yes, yeah, so it, for example, Matthew Etherington, right? So take an example of his player. He went to our chairman, oh yeah, let's have Matthew Etherington for about four million. Something like that. Steve Parrish looking at yeah. it. Well, it's not very future money. Well, don't worry, Steve, it will get us. In. And then, you know, look at these players' medical records and age and stuff like that. And we're a football club that likes to buy, not necessarily buy young, but get younger players in and mm-hmm. then develop them or buy the kind of full package, but they've still got a career life in them. It's similar to like what we had with Harry Redknapp, though. Mm. You know, I, I think there were there were numerous instances of where, as much as you can criticise Daniel Levy for not always being the chairman to back his manager, as much as I have done in the past, yeah. you also then look at people like I think there were some like ludicrous deals that Levy had to veto under Redknapp when Redknapp he was like he was madly chasing like a 38, 39 year old David James mm. at the time and yeah, yeah. David James being David James was yeah he was demanding like upwards of 100k yeah, yeah, a week yeah. something ridiculous mm. like that that Levy was just like simply no, no. like he's we're, we're not no. I don't know it, it, it is isn't it it's, it's yeah. kind of 
it's easy to lambast your chairman and say, why aren't you backing the manager? Why yeah. aren't you doing this? Why aren't you doing that? But I guess, you know... That's like the coin, really. I think with... Yeah. Yeah. Let's be honest. Daniel Levy, he may be liked, he may not be liked. I don't know. That example there... On the fence. On the fence. On the fence. That example there, I'll tell you what, David James just has to sell all of his belongings because he's continued to live his stupidly rich lifestyle. Yeah. Playing from player manager for an Indian Super League side... Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Yeah, and you've now got the mighty... Um, Hugo Lloris in goal, saving yeah. left, right, and said, I really like him as a keeper. I, you know, personally, longer, maybe, well, you never know. You never know. Ever since Henri did that handball and David Trezeguet had too much mouth and Ribéry and Benzema got into court, I've never been really lo- fans of the French international side, but uh, mm. Hugo Lloris has, um, has been a good keeper. So there's an example of where you've got it right. But They've also, got a few nice players. Griezmann as well, I like him. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Nice yeah, no, coming through. But I think it is funny. Yeah, I'd say I, he's. Oh, what's the wrong to ask? No, I was going to say Sven Goran Eriksson is in the uh, Chinese league, isn't he? Is otherwise, he? otherwise, it, I thought he could have been in the Indian league. But Peter Reed, that's it. Peter Reed is in the Indian league. Did you so, see his fucking? He had a Union Jack headscarf on. No, yeah, yeah. No. He, he went out pitch side, you know, like a pirate bandana scarf. Yeah, yeah. He went out wearing one of those with a Union Jack on it. Blimey. But you don't know if that's some chairman be like, "You're Mister, you're yeah, the English yeah, yeah, manager. Yeah, yeah. Go yes, on, go out yeah. and wear this." Well, they like, yeah, they might Brand Britannia, yeah. all that kind of bollocks, yeah. but. One thing I will say about David Jones, devastatingly handsome. Well, A yes. devastatingly yes. handsome man. You always go for curls in your men, though, don't you, Jack? Let's be honest. <laughs> I do, I do. Yeah. <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. Um, but yeah, so if we are to to go back to Palace, just to, to look at kind of wrapping up. So not, not for the season ahead, I mean, obviously I can imagine the, the, the aim's got to be staying up. 17. Yeah. Bite your hand off. You think really? Like you wouldn't you wouldn't go for that late that late surge towards mid table? Well, I, the stage we're at at the moment, the Premier League. I mean, we're not in a place where we can be looking to push up. Our chairman goes, we could be a Europa League player in you know, yeah. how many years? Yes, yes, yes. But you always have that doubt in the back of your mind. Second season syndrome, prime word. Mm. That always is kind of an issue, and it's an immediate. I'm not being. You know, unambitious with with what I'm saying here. I think a lot of Palace fans would take 17. Excitedly, let's say, yeah, okay. I I would be. Here's my kind of difference. If we finished anywhere above 12th, I would be ecstatic. Completely over the moon. 
probably buy all the player of the season tickets, vote 12 times, have yeah. both kits full next year, etc., etc. Go on a pre-season tour to Hamburg or wherever. Yeah. Be. That'd be a good laugh. Yeah, it would be. 15th, content. 17th, happy, but we could have done better. Yeah. Bottom three, devastating. I, I, I personally, I can't see Ben down. I don't think you will. Neither can I. Unless, but, you, unless you get very unlucky. But last year, we didn't have any injuries to our back four. We played Mariapa, Dan, Delaney, Ward. Since January, our form was immense. And this year, Mariapa's out for three weeks at the minute. Delaney's not playing. So we've brought in people like Martin Kelly. But at the end of the day, there's only so well you can defend as a fullback when you're a centre-half in, in Martin yeah. Kelly's case. So, yeah. But that's something we're finding at the moment. Like We've had Eric, Eric Dyer yeah. out there. We've had Vlad mm. Kirikesh out there. Yeah. Yeah, we're still waiting for Carl Walker to come back. We've got Yedlin as well, the young American lad, who's oh, right. supposed to be coming over in January now. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, we, we, we're kind of struggling for that width. I mean, when you look at the, the game on, on Sunday, or is it Saturday? We Saturday, Saturday, 3 p.m. We're playing on Saturday? Yeah. Rare, rare. It is. No, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to Exe beforehand, aren't I? Exe. That, that Turkish go. lovely joint across the road of White Hart Lane. I've never, I've never been. I've never frequented this. No, I recommend it, though. Yeah. Enjoyed it last year as a fan. Obviously, no Palace colours, because you've got to respect the oppo and everything. Yeah. So, uh, but yes. You, you don't wear colours anyway, do you, Jack? Well, yeah, you're, I'm, you're, under, a, you're a naughty boy. I'm an undercolour, you, you know what I mean? I'll wear that away shirt. Under your Stone Island jacket. Under my Stone Island jacket. Yeah. 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 Oh, he's calm down. Naughty boy. No, no, no. Naughty Croydon boy. <laughs> yeah. So, um, do you, do you, how, how do you see yourselves lining up? And do you, you're going to go for it because you, you are a team like you were saying. Uh, you don't, you don't sit back. You don't no. really absorb it. You, you do try and attack. You do try and take the game. And you gave us a good game last year. You mm-hmm. did give us a good game last year at the lane. Yeah, without, I mean, without ruining Neil Warnock's tactical line, Spironi in goal, uh, Kelly right back, Hangland and Dan centre halves, Ward left back. Uh, I imagine this is where it gets interesting though is in the midfield because you say we haven't gone for it we tried to go for it at Swansea away and then they bombarded us for 20 minutes our striker got injured we put on a midfielder and it worked because <laughs> we contained yeah. so if he contains he'll play Jedinak and MacArthur and Ledley as midfield and then Shamak, Balassi and Punchen as the forward three Every time I hear a Palace fan say Ledley, I just think of Ledley King, and I just cry. Like <laughs> oh, Joe! Joe's a lovely chat as well. Got a good beard on him, actually. Who's the um, other? Is it? Who's the other? The young Welsh left back you guys have. It's always injured. Oh, Williams. Yeah, yeah, Williams? but he's yeah. Uh, he's attacking mid. Oh, is he Sorry to go against your no, uh, view there. Worry, no, he's no, he's uh, he's an attacking midfield. Very bright prospect. The issue with him is, is that he's a tiny chap. So as soon as he gets thumped once or twice, most people just get up and get on with it. He also does. But he's not afraid of challenges. So he'll basically imagine, I don't know, Jan Vertonghen yeah. and him are running for the ball. Wilfred Zaha would pull out. Yannick Balassi would fall over on the way. Jed and Nat would go for it. Jed and Nat got taken out. He'd be like, oh my goodness. Get up. Crikey. Yeah, get up. Yeah, crikey. Exactly. Uh, too much I'm a celebrity to get me out there for you there. Uh, whereas Johnny Williams would go for it. Take the full brunt Johnny of Esther. Esther. Johnny Esther, Esther yeah. yeah. There you go. We'll go for it. Full brunt of the injury. Go, I'm fine. Don't worry about it. Cry in his head. And then carry on playing. Make a ridiculous 40-yard run. And then he screwed up his hamstring or his calf or whatever. So he's a very talented player. He needs a run in the team. He had a run in the team for Ipswich. And he played very well for them. Genuinely a lovely bloke. Similar style of play to Barry Bannon, I would say. And those Barry two Banana. Yeah, Barry Banana. Barry, Barry, Barry. As the famous <laughs> song goes. 
Um, but yeah, re- honestly, really looking forward to it. Really looking forward to the season ahead. At the end of the day, 2009, 2010, we nearly got out of administration and my brother and I were talking about who we're going to support and Tottenham were definitely up there in that list. So, hey. you know, it's, it's an amicable ground. My, my dad loves going to this eggsy place, God knows why. Um, <laughs> but, uh, and it's enjoyable and we're really looking forward to the day out. And I think it'll be a good game between two very good sides. Um, give a cheeky bit of a... Uh, abuse to I'm sure uh, some of the Tottenham lads if they give any Good. chat back to the fans but all in fair game but no honestly I'm literally buzzing to be a Palace fan right now I know I say Neil Warnock not sure Dysaw but at the end of the day he's leading us we're what 15th 16th in the Premier League second year in the Premier League our manager left us two days before the season see you later Tony Pulis you're a thing of the past and maybe if we get a US billionaire in to buy us out that might help with a few uh, signings too Nice to, nice to have a bit of positivity, Joe. Good to, no, it's uh, well, always. Good to feel I'm it. a bit too positive sometimes, as, as you know, but I think in this instance this year, I think it, it, it will be a positive season and with you know the delights of Yannick Bellassi. Like you, I know you don't want it on Saturday, but you might secretly Maybe. go, you know, oh, that chat looks quite good. Because every time he gets the ball, you'll see our fans lift off the seats and it's just lovely to have a player like that. Nice. Well, we remember that with Gareth Bale. Well, no, it's just every time they're on the ball, you're just like, yeah, yeah. something's going to happen now. Mm. Something's, something's going to happen. But no. alas, now yeah. we have Nasser Chad. No, I like Nasser Chad. No, he's all right. He's all right. Yeah, Belgian good in pants as well. Oh. I keep talking about how much I find men handsome. But, oh, you know, well, there, there we, we go. go. Well, probably. <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll stop recording and I'll, I'll show you what I do to handsome men. So. <laughs> um, no, but any, uh, let me just, in closing, push you for a score prediction. Score prediction. Head. 2-2. Two, two. Hearts 2-1. Alice. Oh. So I'm afraid I have to go against you there. But Hearts always goes against. I think it'll be a fair game. There'll be goals in it. Neither side will keep a clean sheet. And 83rd minute penalty. Jelinak. Right. Smash it down the middle. That's my prediction. And it is funny because I'm saying we actually need a penalty to seal a game off. So <laughs> that shows the state both clubs are in. But um, no, all the best for Saturday. It's been lovely. Um, and yeah, good to be a first time here. I think the renewed fixture is, I don't know, some point next season. So, if I was just this early January. Oh, is it? Oh, we're, yeah, we're playing just next month. So, well, see how this goes down yeah. on the on the podcast. And if they irritate me, kick me out. If not, then yeah. uh, we'll be back for a. You might get a few January. powers on Twitter. You never know. Yeah, well, you know, you know what they're like. But yeah, send send him some abuse. No, yeah, no. he's a lovely man. He's a nice man. And now we are off to our office Christmas party. Woo! We've actually been drinking mulled wine as we've conducted this interview yeah. that I spilt all over myself before I came into the room. In the lift. In the lift. But the there lift. you go. <laughs> um, right. Cheers, Joe. Thank no, you very much, care, Thanks, Pat. Thank you. Right, so you've heard whatever Jack talked about then. Um, I'm sure it was good, or if it wasn't, I apologise on his behalf. Um, but we've got to talk about Palace now as well, uh, Seb. Mm. You, you, you assure me you're much more au fait with them than I am, because uh, I, I do my best to avoid such terrible teams. Um, but what, what do you make of them? Are they, are they a threat for Tottenham? Are they somebody we should be worried about? Uh, I think worry's a little bit strong. Um, they are... They they're not where they were last season, which, which seems like an obvious thing to say because the, the difference between Tony Pierce and Neil Warnock as managers is is quite sizable. But they are still quite a resilient team. They um and they are not they're never going to overpower a, a Tottenham type side at White Hart Lane. But they um they they certainly have the ability to potentially hurt us. I am um, I'm a big fan of Milo Jadnak. I think he's um. I think he's actually one of the most underappreciated centre midfielders in the league. 
Um, Shamak is Shamak. Um, Dwight Gale is one of those guys that theoretically you can see causing us a bit of an issue if we go with a, if we go with a, um, a Fazio Vertonghen centre-back pairing because he is exceptionally quick. Um, Balassi, again, um, I'm not sure who... I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Kirikas drops out of right back because he, he doesn't look that convincing, um, which I don't really blame him for. It's not his position. Uh, Kyle Walker could be back. Yeah, he played, he's, he's played. He played, played, he played um, some uh, some youth team football um, this week. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I'd, I'd rather not rush Kyle Walker back because I think he's so important to what we do, as, you know, uh, attacking-wise. Um, but Balassi, like, Balassi's one of those players, though, that he... I, I, I'm not sure even he knows what he's about to do with the ball, which makes him really dangerous. I, I think he's a really good player, but there's that element of he 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 is he, he one of his strengths is that there's just absolutely no way of reading him. Um, and when he's on, and when you know, which is typically at Sahas Park, he is um, he's brilliant. But when, when he's bad, he's, uh, he's he's not that much to worry about. But he um, you know theoretically match him up with a. Um, uh, uh, Carl Norton's back, I think, isn't he? Or is he, or is he still suspended? Hopefully. Yeah, Norton's available. Um, so you match him up with uh, with a with a Norton in isolation, and that's potentially a problem. And also, that would theoretically be the side of the pitch in which Fazio plays. That and again, that sort of that lack of pace is a bit troubling. But th- there's there, there aren't any. These are just sort of contrived excuses. This is a this is a game that has to be won. I think. You, you spoke of Jednak. He's, he's probably one of the players for Palace I've seen the most of, especially at the World Cup where he was really good as well. Um, the only concern I'd have over Jednak, because obviously once a player puts a string of performances together and there's a couple of goals to his name, people tend to get a bit carried away and start linking him to other clubs because that's how you get hits on your website. But um, he's not a player that I think would necessarily be too good a level up from where he is at Crystal Palace because he's he's so slow. He's every time I see him play, I, I'm always amazed as to how slow he is. Um he does a lot of work uh I think in his head of anticipating them very well. But a level to blame in this sort of European competition or or even prolonged in the, the Premier League to, in any sort of side that played with any intensity I don't think he'd be able to cope because he's I don't think it's his fault I just think he's genetically a very well, slow person. yeah he is I, um, I I mean I um no I, I don't disagree with that but I mean it's kind of I think the value of him for a side like Palace is exaggerated in English football because because of his size and because of what he's able to do in the air and because of where on the pitch he plays he is like sometimes a third centre-back um, I mean, he's he does uh, his goal scoring record is neither here nor there because he's you know that's not really his like lovely as that free kick was against Liverpool and you know, he's a great penalty taker and, and all that but like as a ball winner and as someone that just gives you a little bit of resilience in an important area I think he I think he's great I think against a really intricate side I think you're probably right I think that you know he would um, he would struggle and as he gets older that's going to be um, that's going to be more and more the case but I, I um, you know I, I think he's um, I was one of those sort of like lower half of the table players. He's he's a very very useful guy. I don't think I really don't think Palace would have stayed up without him last season either. Um, over the course of the season, I mean, yes, they they became really cohesive after after Pulis came in, and you know they they um, ripped off that run of form. But like from the beginning, Jednak was a good player um, in a bad team. We said quite a lot about him. There's um. 
you mentioned Dwight Gale as well. He reminds me every time yeah. I see him of a, like a slightly faster shot of Fraser Campbell in that all he does is he does a lot of pace work and he's he's got a half-decent strike on him, but there's no real yeah. sign there that he'll ever become anything more than that that lower Premier League sort of... Oh, I, I agree. I, I don't think that he's he's set for a particularly high level in the game, but I I think he's one of those guys that's, that's just useful. He's one of those players that... Um, you know, beyond maybe the top eight teams in the league, I'd say that, you know, most most sides could find a place in their bench for him because you bring that kind of pace on. He's also, uh, you know, in terms of his off-the-ball movement as well, he's he's pretty um, pretty astute. Um, and he, uh, he's one of those forwards that just has a habit of finding himself. In, it's a cliche, I know, and I'm sorry for it, but he, is, um, he does find himself in the right place at the right time quite a lot. Um, and, you know, he isn't... Not again on, on Saturday. He's not really someone that you want to see running beyond our back line with Fazio chasing him. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I've just pulled up their. their I've just pulled up their their squad list now. Um, yeah, and there's no players on here that are. I would say are actually any good. Um, I mean, that is, that's asking for failure. I mean, you, no, I mean that's, obviously that's, as, as that's, a team, that's. I mean, as as individuals, they're not you know star names or anything like that. I mean, as as a team, obviously that's a much different you know concept. But probably the best players are, are what Joe Ledley. Um, well, um, I don't know. I I think one of the best players is Joe Ward. Actually, I think that fullback. Um, yeah, I think I, I I kind of prefer him as a right back, but I, I, he seems to be playing left back this season. Um, Martin Kelly obviously arrived in the summer, so he'll be he'll presumably be their right back. And um and Scott Dan played has been playing very well. Um, these are not like, I, I I agree with you. These are not names that jump off a team sheet, but they are solid Premier League players now. Um, Hangland I expect will start because I suppose got up here that Damien Delaney is injured, so I guess so. I've just I've just and, pulled up Joe Ward's uh, Wikipedia and it says he's a committed Christian. And the last time we bought one of those from Crystal Palace, it was John Bostock. So I'm not entirely. <laughs> enamoured with him. Oh, uh, what happens, John Barnes? He started making Christian rap and then his football career faded away. I think he's still playing somewhere in Belgium. He's playing like Royal in Adler, the... Something like that. That's the last I heard anyway. I, I don't know. He was. I remember he came on... I was at a game. It must have been a Europa League game a few years ago. And um, he turned up wearing... a uh, a ludicrous squad number in the second half, and he looked brilliant. And then never saw him again. Oh, he's, um, so that's he's he's gone from Royal Antwerp now. He only lasted a season there. He's with a team with a name of which I cannot pronounce in the second division. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even going to try. Probably just best to move on from John yeah, Bostock. I think yeah. they're called uh, Ode Heavily Leaven. I think um, that was a bold effort. O H L for for short. But yeah, um, I mean, there's not much more that I can really say about Palace other than I, I just want us to try and play within our philosophy again. I want them to, I want the players to seem as if they're trying to trap um, the Crystal Palace players short on the ball, uh, press highly, uh, attack, yeah, yeah, attack yeah. freely, try and express ourselves, perhaps even score a few goals because I, I, it would be nice to finish a season with a positive goal difference for, for once. That would be a <laughs> yeah, a positive. I don't think we've. Well, I think if you look at if you actually 
if you look at what their uh, sort of their two centre back defensive midfield pairing uh, trio is likely to be, there are mistakes in there, and those are the kind of players, good defensively as they are, who if they're pressed, are likely to cough up a mistake. And that, I mean, if 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 the um, if the same uh, game plan exists as we as we used against Everton. That's kind of a, kind of got to be a recipe for success. Yeah, we, we need to do that um, from the uh, from the first minute to the last, though, because with it yeah, being Warnock yeah. in charge, he's he's you know much maligned as a manager, but he's smart enough to know that he's the best you know course of action for his side is is probably sitting behind the ball for seventy yeah will seventy eighty that. minutes. Yeah, they, they, won't, they, they won't try and score until late on into the game, and if they do manage to pip one early from a set piece or something, then it will just be a wall of of their defenders at the back trying to cling on to a, a point or, a, or, you know, their goal. And they're equipped to do that too. I mean, they've got like, um, you know, if it, they will sit deep and they've got Zaha will start, Balassi uh, will start, um, either Campbell, I, I presume Fraser Campbell will start. So they've have got they, Have they actually got Fraser Campbell and Dwight Dale? I didn't realise that. Yeah, yeah, Fraser so Campbell will essentially start. Essentially the same um, player twice. Yeah, they've got a kind of duplicate. Um, which, <laughs> but this is, you know what? Uh, and to anyone listening who's going to White Hart Lane on Saturday, this is the kind of game where if it doesn't go great in the first twenty minutes, there's to be no booing or anxious silence, or because this is exactly the kind of game where you know you grind a win out. This is not going to be three four, and I wouldn't have thought because they 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 will, like you say, they're not going to be as open as Everton were they won't have the same ambition that Everton did so there's got to be probably a little bit of patience involved here I would have thought that's my plea for of atmosphere. course me, me, and, me and Jack have many a time um, said similar about the the way in which we've got to try and support the team no matter what at White Hart Lane um, but we've had yeah. we've had a few questions sent in from, from people yeah, who have listened to this yeah. earlier um, let's have a look at what we've got um, all, all I've got so far is just Jack complaining about us taking the mick out of him. No, I've got. We've got here we've okay, got, I've um, got a couple. S, S mentor um, THFC says, uh, "Will we keep Bentaleb in the future?" In terms of, well, I. It, what is this? If he if he becomes good, we immediately lose him. I'm not question. sure, but or is it? Or is this? It can be. In, well, it, yeah, we can answer it can be interpreted either way. Is it? Well, if it's yeah, I think well, he's certainly good enough to 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 to, to stay at Watford. And of course, he is. I, I think um, the temptation is to forget that you know because he's he was around quite a lot last season, and he's he's now gone to a World Cup with Algeria. That he is slightly older than he is, but he is still just nineteen, I think. Um, and his distribution is excellent. Um, there's still that same question mark about how much he really understands his you know defensive role. Um, but again, that's that's an acquired ability. He, you know, playing in in that environment last night, where you know Spurs were under a lot of pressure for a lot of the game, as good for him as it was good for Mason, because you know that develops the kind of the, the shielding part of um, shielding part of his his skill set. Um, whether you you, you, could, you could ask the same question for any Tottenham player, because ultimately, if any of them become you know attractive to really really good sides, it's the same answer. Um, but yeah, you know, it's in, let's just enjoy him. 
for the time being. I, I would, think. I would completely agree. Uh, I think he's got more than enough potential to uh, oh, to try yeah. and build himself a long career at Tottenham. Uh, whether or not he becomes of a level, as you say, where the the bigger fish who will always be bigger fish than those your Madrids and Barca's and everyone, and even probably your your you know money laundering businesses as such as City and Chelsea. There, <laughs> it's a funny one though because I, I I remember I wrote about him a couple of weeks ago when when he was injured and I sort of said something that you know might be nice when he gets back and there's a lot of hate for Bentley about. I think. Well, I think maybe he's just he's just linked with Sherwood, so he's damaged. I think there's an, an element of that, but I think <laughs> there's a, a wider attitude in football where if you if you say that a player is nuanced and he does a lot of a lot of tactical work and a lot of work that it goes unnoticed, there are play, people who perhaps don't analyse football as academically as we are inclined to, who maybe feel a bit threatened by that analysis of football, who think it's a much more, you know, look at the game much more simply. And there's a, that's, you know, sort of why the England team's in the in the place it is, because football is yet to fully be appreciated on an academic level to to which people are are comfortable with, because you know, it's still seen as the, the sport of the working class and everything. And, and because some people will try and look at it a bit more in depth, it, it sort of it puts some people's nose out of joint. They don't enjoy yeah. it when things are looked at in in a manner that isn't just completely black and white. And I think he's the sort of modern player that that buys into that. That you know people like us would appreciate because we we try and think outside of the box a little bit more. Try and think of him in a in a much more modern uh, way. But people who people who kind of think, have watched the game through the nineties and have seen the Premier League change almost completely from the style of football it used to be to now don't really buy into that analysis of him. Yeah, I, I think that's that's fair. I um, without trying to cast ourselves as kind of the oh, enlightened not at all, ones, because um, that's no, no, no you, I know you won't do that. But I mean, um, like he's one of those guys that you need to like. It's not he. You appreciate him really because you see how he facilitates the system around him. Bentleb's important to Spurs because he's one of the few uh, you know, sort of semi-defensive midfielders who can pass the ball really well forward, not just from side to side. He's got great passing range, and that's kind of what Pochettino's system revolves around, like transitioning. Sorry, horrible word, transitioning. Sorry about that. Um, bleep I use that it all out. the time. It's um, I, I think I, I know, but yeah, me too, mate. But that's like I, I, I was. I was having a conversation with someone the other day, not about football, and I used the word oh, verticality. I use that one as well. I should have slapped myself. Yeah, mate, but it doesn't make it better that we use them. It's like, yeah, it's disgusting. It's just a, it's a horrible, horrible phrase. But it's true with Bentleb. He, yeah, a Pochettino system needs that kind of verticality <laughs> to, um, yeah, because it, it, it relies on getting numbers forward quickly and, and, and possession to, to move up the pitch as quickly as possible to... Uh, create numerical mismatches further forward, and Bentaleb is a is a great part of that. And um, it's one of those things where, when, when you know, when when you look at him from that perspective, you appreciate him a little bit more. I think it's not about you know whether you know the game better or not. It's just about which angle you look at the game from. I guess you've probably really. described what um, you were saying much more eloquently. Um, we've. Yeah, without alienating lots and lots of people. I, I do that all the time. <laughs> I do that all the time. You should have. Uh, you should have. You should have come on during the World Cup when I think I alienated the entire of America in one 
in one tirade <laughs> against the bloke who was dressing up as Teddy Roosevelt, who I still think is an abhorrent person. Uh, uh, that, that, I, no, I agree with you on that. I think that's, that's Yeah, that's and that, that, that I believe that we can win chant as well. Just, yeah. you know, you're never going to get that sort of thing in Yorkshire, and it just sits. It wasn't. It was too much enthusiasm. You want to be a bit more dour with your football, America, I'm afraid. Yeah, bit as more soon negative. as you become, uh, become you know, <laughs> pessimists, then we'll, uh, we'll be a bit more on board. It's joyless. When you, when you become as sour about it as we are, all good. But until then, you know, exactly. none of that positivity. Um, we've had a question from at uh, Not So Worthy, who has obviously realised that it's us two on. And he said, uh, even though I know you prefer league, um, I, I don't prefer league. I just choose to ignore uni and I, I don't think it exists. Uh, <laughs> what do you think of England's chances of winning next year's World Cup? Um, zero. Um, they are, I, <laughs> we're getting dangerously close to rugby analysis here. Um, England, like in brief, England are like a, England, a 10 man team uh, at the moment. They are, they're built on power and they're just a, a blunt, forceful object. Um, and you know, they may get as far as the, they will probably get out of their pool group. Um, but they just don't have the creativity to go any further against the very best teams in the world. You're not gonna, you're not gonna, you're not gonna progress just by relying on set piece strength. You've got to have some kind of midfield um, guile, which England don't have. I and, find this odd. Yeah, you know, they have the potential to have it. They don't use it. They they line up. You know, we we we, we shouldn't. We should probably praise you this into something smaller than than a, a, a big discussion about um, England's centre pairing during the Six Nations. I don't think that would go I've, down that well. I've watched a bit of England through the Autumn Internationals just because the um, the rugby lads in the office sit at the uh, at the other side from me. So when there's like half-time on another football or something or I fancy annoying some people who are watching Union, I'll go, you know, stand behind them as they're <laughs> concentrating and analysing a game and I'll, <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll shout and comments. I'll go, you know, yeah. why isn't he playing the ball and things like that and they'll... They'll not take it in any sort of humour whatsoever. Um, but the thing that, that strikes me about Union as a whole, because I, I sat through that awful Bath Harlequins game because I wanted to see Sam Burgess make his debut, is that the backs seem to be a completely different unit to the forwards, which in league isn't the case. Because uh, I, I, I was a rugby league I, I played loose forward, so I, I'm sort of half and half back and forward. And... Um, there's not really that sort of freedom in in union. You're, if you're a forward, you've got to be scrapping for the ball on the floor, doing the rooks and the mauls, and you're essentially just a, a purely functional player. And from watching England, they do that very well. The forwards are very committed. They're happy to do their roles in that amount. But the backs don't seem to have any sort of knowledge of how to break a line. There doesn't seem to be any any ambition to want to take a man on, run directly. Um, even the very basic things of running at lines at angles, they don't do. They tend to pick up the ball from a, a, a successful uh, rook on the floor and they'll they'll just dive into another tackle about a metre to the side of it so that they've got the, the chain of phases, but they've not they've not attempted to make any yardage. There's no no sort of exploration of any sort of, of gain there. And Yeah, well, this is going to allow us a, a, a kind of like a ball retention emphasis where in league you have default positions where there are playmakers. Okay, they're to varying, varying abilities, but 
in union if you're if you're backline you want your backline to be creative if you want to play an expansive style of game you have to put the right kind of players in the right kind of positions and england have emphasized um defensive resilience in their center pairing with um Billy 12 trees and Brad Barrett um over something more creative uh you know a a Carl Eastman maybe or you know anyone who, who resembles what Will Greenwood used to be um 10 years ago there's nothing like that anymore there's no one there's no one outside um George Ford who is capable of giving who's capable of facilitating a, a clever running angle or willing really to take any kind of risk with the ball. It's very formulaic rugby. And that's, um, yeah, that's what you saw. You texted me afterwards, actually, and, and you said much the same thing. Yeah. I remember scathing. Yeah, I, I, was, I was not <laughs> impressed. I sat through 18 minutes of that Bath Harlequins game and it was, I just got increasingly frustrated at the lack of any sort of attacking ambition. I think this is, this is from a league fan, so it's obviously biased, but there's, there seems to be far too many rules in Union. That The amount of times that there seems to be a bit of flow to the game, it gets called back for something else. There's a, another set piece, another set piece, another set piece. It just it, it really annoys me. There's no flow to the game. But Well, there's too much interpretation. There's, there's too much room for a referee. In league, like, yeah, there is, like in terms of uh, a referee's obligations to the game, there is a degree of... of um, objectivity about the way he officiates but in union there are so many different technical rules that if you get the wrong referee on the wrong day and the wrong set of teams you can have a game like the one you watched um i was i mean i, I was at that game and, and the passage of play that you're referring to the the sequence of scrums and resets and yellow cards happened right in front of me and um and it's just this is what happens if you get a fussy referee in, in union and if you get someone that Wants to be the spectacle. I think it's and that was yeah, Wayne Barnes, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. That I wasn't impressed. But um, if we talk about Sam no. Burgess, because um, he's yeah. you were talking about players who don't want to attack the line and don't make clever runs and things, and that's exactly what he is going to do. I mean, even there was that one yeah. moment in the uh, in the game where he got half through a line and immediately looked over his shoulder and, and gave a pass that went to ground, unfortunately. But that's his that was his, his first intention was to offload, and if somebody was on his shoulder, they'd have been off under the sticks because he will yeah. he'll pierce a line and he'll run at it. And I think that that mentality is something that's much different between the two codes. Um, I don't think there's ever a run by any player, no matter what position there is in league, where their intention is not to... There isn't a supporting run yeah. as well. But, you know, yeah. yeah, yeah. I absolutely. mean, if you look at the very best backs in rugby league at the moment, the ones who make the biggest, uh, you know, the, the biggest names for themselves, so you've got in the NRL the likes of Greg Inglis and Jared Hayne and uh, Sam Tompkins. Jared Hayne no longer. He's off to the NFL, apparently. I believe he's, he's got some sort of unofficial trial at the Detroit Lions, which I hope goes very well for him. Um, yeah. And then in Super League, I mean, even though he's getting a bit older now, the likes of Danny Maguire, who yeah. just their entire game is playing off the shoulder forwards. And that sort of thing isn't always there for Union backs. It's not the... It, I mean, because it's not really the instinct necessarily to support. Like, the emphasis isn't... Emphasis in, in, in league is always quick playing the ball. You know, just, you know... Um, Recycle yeah, you've, you've got the guarantee of keeping the ball no matter how the tackle yeah, goes. You don't have to commit your forwards. Like in, 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 in Union, uh, if you make a run away from your forward, 
backwards, you run the risk of turning the ball over either organically or, you know, by being penalised. So the temptation for any player is always to run back into, you know, the fat of the defence, um, where his own players are to support him, you know, to, to recycle the ball. Whereas in Union, it's, uh, whereas in the, it, it's about speed and it's about, you know, either keeping the ball alive or at the play of the ball, doing it quickly um, to take advantage of the space. And, and that's, it's just, uh, yeah, I... It's one of the reasons why, like a lot of Union fans, will never be league fans, and, and vice versa, because the games are such. Oh, they're funda- you know, fundamentally they are the same different sport, but they're so different. Yeah, yeah fundamentally so different. different. I mean, even philosophically, they're they're completely different. I mean, even on, I think the, the reasons they broke up originally were on were on class grounds, and I think that sort of exists now. If you were to look at a map of where the lion's share of Union teams were based in the Premier. Premiership, I think it's called, and if you look where all the Super League teams are based, you've got these northern industrial towns, you know, Warrington, St Helens, Wigan, Leeds, uh, Huddersfield, um, and then you've got, you know, about six different teams in London, it seems like, in the in the Premier League with Saracens and London. I don't understand the, the, the London-Irish-Welsh thing. Are you not allowed to be of any other... Sort of nationality if you play for them, is it like? <laughs> <laughs> Those are the traditional roots of the clubs, but no, is they, it really? um, they used to be. Yeah, uh, they were they're supposedly um, clubs that represented exiles because there's a there's a London Scottish and a London Welsh and a London Irish. Um, uh, London Welsh are dreadful, and they're going back down. They'll be relegated this year, and, and London Scottish, God knows where they are. But um, yeah, you, you have you had Wasps until quite recently. They they've obviously they've bought themselves a new stadium in Coventry. Are they um, going to move then? And so they've moved out of the area. Yeah, they well, they they moved out of London to originally to Adams Park in High Wycombe, uh, Wycombe Wanderers play. Is that, um, con- is that they contentious? Know, no, no, I, I don't know at the time. But since then, they've they've left there to go to Coventry, um, which is contentious because of the geographical difference. But it's a it's a really smart business move because they own that stadium and was of huge financial difficulty. They, you know, they they can't afford to. They used to be a dominant force in English rugby, but because of their lack of income uh, and their lack of resources, they lose players now. Um, and you know, owning your own stadium is a is a sort of is a first step towards retaining some kind of equality with the with the richest clubs in the in the country. So it is a good move. But if you're a supporter, you'd hate it. I know I'd hate it. Like if if someone moved Bath sixty miles north, you know. It's like anybody. If, if if anybody did that to whatever club you, you support and whatever in whatever sport, you'd resent it rightly. Yeah, um, why, why wouldn't you? And I've taught him. It's like taught him going to Milton Keynes. Uh, It'd be absolute disaster. Yes, yeah, that's uh, yeah. That's that's another another. Uh, that's another, yeah, another, so, another right. topic for another day. I think we've had another rugby question. Not to speak, I think we think we've got about three people left now. Yeah, I have no but idea. I'm, I'm enjoying myself. I'm enjoying <laughs> myself far too much to not. Like, it. Uh, Brian Slover said. Um, he said, "What did he say? Uh, I watched the rugby league final. He meant Super League rather than the NRL because I checked." Um, he says he wants to become a fan. He's he lives in America, but they've got some sort of new subscription channel that shows the rugby league out there, which okay. is you know, fantastic. Um, cause it means they can stop watching that NFL business now and watch some lads with no pads on, um, <laughs> which again Real is man. another one for me to alienate <laughs> the American listeners. Oh, I like I like my it's, NFL, so that's that's balanced it um, out. It's you know there is some love for that here. Don't yeah, worry. It's a bit. It's, it's Stay a, with it. It's a bit like rugby union with all the different set pieces and everything. That's probably why you like it. 
Stop, um, stop, stop. He says he needs a team... It's flurry of text messages for the week. <laughs> I don't need more of it when we actually record it. <laughs> he, to, he says he, he needs a team to love in Super League, uh, preferably a Spursy team. So I think that means a, a team that promises a lot but doesn't often, um, doesn't often get to the heights. I think if I was to pick a, a choice of two, there'd be Warrington and Huddersfield. Warrington, if it wasn't... Yeah, Warrington, I go for. But if you're if you want something Spursy, which implies you as a Spurs yeah. fan, come on, Brian, want to reward yourself and go Wigan, Leeds, St. Helens, have a bit of have a bit of glory. I, I, I'm, like, a, you know, I'm a Rhinos fan, and Rhinos is is up and down. I mean, the amount of times we've been in a, a Challenge Cup final and lost was getting on bodding on ridiculous. I think it was six finals in a row in about ten years we lost up until this season when we won one. Uh, but we've had far too much success in the modern era with this side to be related to Tottenham in any sort. No, there's no way. It's, yeah, there's no, there's no Spurs um, Leeds parallel. You want to go? Um, you want to? Or you could go with something sort of a bit more exotic, like a like a witness. Uh, witness. You know, you'll you'll never win a thing, but there's a good couple of players there. I think Reese Hambry is probably one of the better players in the league. I like yeah, him. Uh, wit- I think um, are a bit. Industrial. You'll never have much. Happy, uh, you know, anything to celebrate. Cass would be a shout because Cass actually play a very good rugby. Good Cass play very good rugby. Yeah. Um, they fell away gloriously towards the yeah, end they, as well. Um, That's quite surprising. They, 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 yeah. lost, <laughs> they lost the league. Um, the, the league tripped title, over themselves. Yeah, yeah. On the, last day of the, season. the more I think about it, the more they sound like Cass. To That's, the one, That's the so one. Cass yeah. for Tigers are one that you could have a look at. Um, I think <laughs> Warrington have actually won quite a few cups of late so it might rule them out I think if if you take a choice between Castleford and Huddersfield then it's uh, your choice I just as a as a uh, a leveller um, Huddersfield my hometown so I always have had a bit of a soft spot for them but um, when I started playing rugby league and when I got brought up in the game and sort of indoctrinated in what was what and, and things it was the Rhinos were the first team I got taken to see and they were the first team I actually I got to understand the players of and stuff like that. That's why I support them rather than my hometown club. I've managed to... Huddersfield just seemed to be, for me, like even with football, they're just a team that I always admire from a distance rather than fully supporting because I've always managed to be led astray somehow, um, whether it's my father or my friends that have taken me elsewhere. But um, I'd, I'd choose between Cass and uh, Cass and Huddersfield. Um, yeah. Cass have got, uh, in Castleford as well, there's uh, Diggerland. Which is a, a theme park entirely devoted to diggers, <laughs> which is genuinely brilliant. Sounds so normal. Yeah, if you, I, I mean, it's always it's always a thing I uh, I always point to. I mean, we call it because um, if you, you you'll obviously have never been to Castleford, but uh, it's the most industrial, most northern place you can think of. It's it's almost like one giant estate, um, and it's right next to Pontefract as well. And and Cass and Pontefract are like. Uh, almost like glorified suburbs of Leeds. The people of Castle and Pontefract won't take kindly to that. Um, but we call them as a joke. I mean, we call them Cas Vegas and Ponte Carlo, and um, that's what they refer to. Um, <laughs> but there, there are places where they are. Uh, there's a there's a lot of passion for their sides there. I mean, Castleford especially. Um, if you remember in the World Cup when when there was that Neymar possible red card, there was somebody had uh, made that YouTube video of Mick Morgan uh, commentating over the top of it, and he's the one that does the "I can't speak, I can't speak, send him off, you dirty get" um, commentary, and he still does it to this day. He's Castleford's in-house commentator. So uh, if you want to if you want to laugh and you want to know the most extreme rugby league commentary, if you if you Google for Mick Morgan Castleford, then you will have. 
a bit of a laugh. But um, did we have any other? Quite weird. They're quite interesting. They're, they're showing that they've got a bit of uh, Super League coverage in America. I would have never have um, I don't know. I just I would never have figured. I think it's... it just doesn't seem to translate that well. I mean, it's a simpler, it's a simpler version of the game than Union. Now, so I understand that, but it's by um, simpler you it mean just better, seems don't very you? culturally. Well, I don't don't do that. <laughs> don't, don't. <laughs> if we uh, if we finish on a question that Jack has sent in, this this is just highlights the trouble that he has inside his own mind because not only is he included his own at name inside the tweet, he's, he's he says. Are me and are you just his alter egos? Does he record the pod alone, putting on different voices? Yes, he does. He does. This, he does a, a really good, a preposterous southern accent as well. Yeah, which he pulls off pretty well. I mean, the, when he does them bits where he manages to talk over himself, it's uh, it's quite impressive. Yeah, it's a real insight into the into like say into the workings of his into his complex mind. Yeah. In fact, Jack never actually leaves a room. He doesn't do anything. He just, he has this, <laughs> he has an, an, his own universe in his own mind that he's managed to create for himself. That we're... Didn't, uh, didn't Jack some his, his Brendan Rogers vine with Poch, you know, the Only Fools and Horses one yeah. he did? That's gone like super viral, if that's a phrase. Yeah. He... I, it's hard. I, it's everywhere. Like, um... I feel like a little bit of the sort of the reflected glory in that. <laughs> no, like I see it and it's like he's become... You know my 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 celebrity connection he's, um, in football. That, that's how we feel. He's got, um, it's why he doesn't appear on the podcast with us. Yeah, and, he's too busy animating those. But he um, like he does his own thing. Like, and, like, know, he gets us to fill the gaps with rugby yeah, chat instead. They're like six second videos of his um <laughs> of his of his proper animated videos that he does around Tottenham a lot. Is uh, the yeah. the where the name Tuttle comes from there? Uh, and I know he puts a lot of effort into it because. He was on annual leave while he made those, and I think most people would have just stayed in bed and played FIFA and whatnot, but he was busying himself making vines for the masses. Kills it. Yeah. Anyway, Seb, I think that's that's probably us, because I don't know how... No one's listening yeah, anymore. No. It's just us having a chat now. I don't... I don't um, I don't. We're I don't know how long Jack's even recorded for this bloke for, so I don't know how long it's going to be, but I think we've we must have spoken for about... 45 minutes on our own at least so he uh the, 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 good, we did a good 20 on football yeah right? we did that for this yeah we didn't bring up dream team we didn't you know we did all right so ever since dream team as we brought up dream team football has got much more farcical it's been a renaissance i think you know if, if there is if there is a new commission in a new season commission i think we have to have some kind of uh at least we, we have to appear in the end credits because you know we've started some kind of movement i'd like a Producer credit, if possible. I, I reckon I could come up with some storylines for for Dream Team. I want to be in it. I want to be. I want to be one of the. Uh, I want to be one of the players that kill off after six games. <laughs> if he does something ridiculous, like, I don't know, falls off a bridge or something. I, I just, I just, just, just give me, give me, give me a part in in Dream Team, and then, um, and then, yeah, that or that will sort of that will fill up the CV rather nicely. Yeah, well, well, it'd be interesting to see how they would bring back Harchester. And uh, and explore what's happened in those follow years that they've been away from our screens. Um, and Carl Fletcher would come back. He's dead. <laughs> He'd come he back resurrected him. <laughs> the thing is, as stupid as that sounds, it's a very viable option. It would happen. It'd be one of those kind of anomalies that was never explained. 
it'd be kind of like, well, you know, maybe enough as time has passed, if he was forgotten, we'll just bring him back. It would, you know, a forty-year-old Carl Fletcher it was, um, back from the grave. Somebody tweeted us, didn't they? His, um, he's got a fake Wikipedia page where his scoring record is on there. He's one in two. That's pretty impressive. You'd have him at Spurs. Yeah, Carl you? Fletcher up front. Yeah, I think Levy would go for that because he's he'd be fairly inexpensive at his age. <laughs> anyway, we best wrap this up. Um, I'm trying to remember what Jack says at the end of a podcast now. Um, if you want to follow us on Twitter, uh, we're at RTRSSM. And I usually I usually just stop listening to him at this point, so I can't remember what else he says. If you want to follow um, the proper account, Jack, uh, at Spurs Statman, all of our articles are online at SpursStatman.com. Um, that's about it, I think. If you want to follow Seb, yeah, it's usually his. Yeah, if you want, yeah, don't follow me. If you want to follow Seb and actually (laughs) follow Seb and send him tweets that say rugby league is better than Union, he's at at Prem League Owl on the on the old Twitter machine and read his articles because they're they're usually very good. There's an occasional bad one in there, but uh, we'll let him off. (laughs) (laughs) Well, as after forty five minutes last night, (laughs) fracture in our relationship there. Drop that in. I was, I was only taking a mic, mate. They're all fantastic. Um, <laughs> they're all fantastic. No, no matter what he writes about, they're always they're always of brilliant quality. Um, but thank you very much. Um, well, that's about it. Then uh, we'll we'll talk to you next time. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.